Regina. Grey Cup is weeks away. Get your daily update here. You're listening to the Thai Cats Audio Network. From the Thai Cats Audio Network, this is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. It's the playoffs. The Tiger Cats made it. It was a bit of a roller coaster, but they're in, in Montreal on Sunday. Great to have you joining us on Tie Cats this week. RJ Broadhead, and he's Luke Tasker, and we can't wait to call this game on, on Sunday. So many ups and downs, but basically, starting the season with four straight losses, ending the season with four straight wins, it, it's, it was pretty frustrating start. But just a, a totally different feeling as the regular season ends going into the playoffs. Luke, take us through the, the locker room and the players and, and how they're feeling now heading into the postseason as the hottest team in the CFL. It's all positive excitement at this point. I mean, the, the, the hardships of the season that any players had physically uh, and other, you can overlook them now. This is the best time of the year for a football player. It's it's magic, man. This is just an opportunity to be great, to be champions. You're you're you you you've got your identity established as a team. The Tie Cats have overcome a great deal of adversity this year. Like you said, they finished strong. Um, it, it is it is real tangible excitement, and to go on the road to Montreal, it's an amazing opportunity to have a great football story in your life. And so I'm excited for these guys. It's just, this is, this is what football is all about. And it's why you wanted to play when you were a kid. And now you get the chance to go be great. I've been looking at a few of the predictions and the Tiger Cats are definitely the team that most people are taking to win the East semifinal in Montreal. Statistics all are fairly close. Montreal finished two points better than the Tiger Cats. It it felt like more than that during the the season, and when when second place was kind of out of the out of the reach for the Tiger Cats, that they're only two points behind mm-hmm. Montreal going in as the as the hottest team. Does that does that really mean anything for for a team, or is it the the postseason starts over, or can you actually get some some momentum from that winning streak that the Tiger Cats are on? No, I think you can, and uh, and I think it is meaningful that the, that the Tiger Cats' last third was so impressive. You you don't you kind of want to not be figuring things out anymore. And for a long time this season, the Tiger Cats were figuring things out. The turnovers were bad, and they haven't totally flipped the script in terms of over a length of time been winning the turnover ratio, but it has plateaued a little bit. They've kind of had a net zero for a while, been hovering in that low negative 20, which is not a great number, but it did stop, you know, the the downhill slide for a number of games there. Um, and we can touch on that a little bit later because that's an interesting story of its own. But the uh, I think it's meaningful that the Ticats are considered the hottest team in the playoffs right now, and they can hang their hat on that. I mean, I just can't I can't speak highly enough about the way that their defense has played in the last third of the season and just how impressive they've done against some really good offenses. Um, yes, in some ways it starts fresh, right? And I, it's a it is interesting to me that the Ticats are. Um, favored seemingly by a a large number of onlookers it's not gonna be easy to go into montreal i mean montreal is is uh, you know at home they get the they get the privilege and they've earned the privilege of doing that and what is what is fascinating though is that the three matchups this year which was split one and two 
you know, from the tie cat perspective, one of those other games goes differently and this game is, is flip-flopped, you know, and it's just, it's just as simple as that, that, that things could be different. So the Ticats have to know that they're, that they're well-matched against Montreal, but still it is a home game for Montreal and they earned that second place spot. Yeah. And all the games were close. The Tiger Cats won the first one, the Alouettes won the next two to get the tie break. And that's kind of what put second place in a home playoff game out of reach for a while for the for the Tiger Cats, but they were all one-score games. And we talked about a little earlier this week on Tie Cats Today with with Louis Butko. Uh, and I'll, in case you missed that show, I'll, I'll go through the three games. Like that first game, Hamilton won by seven. Trevor Harris was was hit by Stavros Katsantonis, a roughing the passer. I, I remember we were thinking in the in the booth, I don't want to speak for you, Luke, but I, I still remember the look on your face and probably the look on my face that here we go, a, a bad penalty, it's late in the game, it's another collapse, and then the injury spotter pulls Trevor Harris out and Dominic Davis comes in, who'd thrown two passes all season, and he's picked off by Cam Kelly, game over. But that game easily you just felt it was going Montreal's way late Mm -hmm. so you know you mentioned that these games all could have been different the the second game Matt Schultz was great he was great he had that big game with Tim White 145 yards receiving Tiger Cats led by two basically no time left on the clock David Cote kicks a 48 yard field goal that's not a gimme Mm -hmm. to win by a point so that game was close and then the final game uh, Montreal was up by seven. Hamilton was moving the ball. Keandre Smith, he was trying to make something happen, wound up fumbling. Montreal recovered and never gave the ball back to the Tiger Cats. They were able to run the clock out. But all three, exciting. All three came right down to the wire, and all three could have gone either way. So I'm assuming Sunday's going to be going to be a big game, an exciting game. But, boy, you look looking back, it's... It, it's mind-boggling how Hamilton didn't win all three or Montreal didn't win all three. The games were so close. Amazing. And there's a, there's a one-point difference in, in net scoring over the three games with Montreal and Hamilton. That's great. I mean, that's great for the league when you have games like that and teams that are uh, you know seemingly well-matched. I mean, they play each other tough. That's the way that it is, and this game will be no different. I, I think Ticats 5-1 and one in the last sixth of the season. You also got to, you know... Montreal has turned their ship around as well. They started the season off uh, really, really poor. They were they were uh, two and six, and then they flipped the script on themselves, and they're seven and three as they end the season. You know, in their in their last ten games, that is. But they've really started to, to learn how to win as well. And that and the very important one of those last games, that last loss for the Ticats was the Montreal game, and so mm-hmm. Montreal has played Hamilton well and. Uh, and Trevor Harris had had moments in those games where he looked really, really great. Um, I, I am excited to see the t- this Ticat defense um, in their, you know, with their full and standard lineup again as they take the field in Montreal. T- two things that are interesting to me, RJ. Montreal has n- not not a huge not a huge uh, net positive, but they're net positive in fourth quarter scoring this year. They have been able to, on average, finish games better than their than their opponents. You've brought up many times this season. Ticat fans know the fourth quarter net scoring for for Hamilton has not been a winning category. I believe they're negative ninety one in points in the fourth quarter right now. Go at the yeah, sounds right to finish the season. I mean, that's really something. They have not played. They have not scored well in fourth quarter as Montreal has 
scored on average better. And then, of course, the turnover ratios. Those are the two categories, that fourth quarter scoring and turnover ratio that Hamilton has really, really, it's sort of off the charts, off the charts in their opponent's favor. Um, it's hard to win playoff games and turn the ball over. And so if if Hamilton can continue that the upward trend that they have in the second half of the season, protect the football, they're going to have a chance to go into Montreal and steal a, steal a, a road playoff game. So you mentioned the final third of the season, Tiger Cats go 5-1 and one after not a very good first two-thirds. So you talked about the fourth quarter. Over these last six games, it, it's been quite a bit different for the Tiger Cats. They've scored a fourth-quarter touchdown in three straight games. They've lost the fourth quarter just once in their last four games, and that was against Calgary, and Calgary had one more point than the Tiger Cats, so it's not and they like won. it was a... Right. And, right. and Tiger Cats won, exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, getting blown out in the fourth quarter. So they've 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 made progress in that area. And even with turnovers, twice the Tiger Cats have not had any turnovers in a game. One against Winnipeg and the last game against Ottawa. Those were both in the in the final third of the season. And the other interesting thing is three times this season, Tiger Cats didn't allow any points off turnovers. Obviously, the game against Winnipeg and Ottawa where they didn't turn the ball over, didn't allow any points off turnovers. The other one was against Montreal. And Hamilton did turn it over on downs. One turnover on downs. Montreal didn't get any points. But if you think back to that game, Hamilton was on the Montreal 7 and and went for it instead of going for the field goal they didn't get it so they didn't really give up points off the turnover but they certainly left points on the table by not converting that third down so anyway it's just happened three times this season where the Mm -hmm. tiger cats have not allowed points but the the positive there is there's been a couple of games finally in this last third of the season where the tiger cats did not turn the ball over and it's a factor because five times they've had fewer turnovers than their opponents, the Tiger Cats, and they've won all five of those games. So I know you talk about it a lot. I know Andy talks about it a lot, but it's real. You turn the ball over less, you have a really good chance of winning the football game. It is real. It's a it's a it's a direct impact on winning and losing a football game. I think I find it so interesting that Winnipeg game. I mean, that stands as the brightest moment of the Ticats regular season, not in terms of importance, but in, just in terms of, of, of performance. Like they, they just, they just had a perfect football game, you know, not really perfect, but really like amazing football game. And it happened to be against Winnipeg, the best team. And, and part of that was not turning the ball over at all. If, if they, if they hold on to that football, if they, if they can, if they can have the ability to take it away and not give it away, they they have as good a chance as any other to 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 make a, a play for this Grey Cup. It's the only game, only win for the Tiger Cats this season that wasn't by one score. It was by more than one score. Pretty interesting looking back at their four game winning streak. It, it's it's been some good football by the Tiger Cats, but they beat Saskatchewan by four points. They beat Calgary by three points. They beat Ottawa by three points. And then they beat Ottawa again by seven points. So they they haven't really had that, that start-to-finish dominant game where the, the game was never in doubt. It's seven of their eight wins have been decided in the last three minutes. So nobody can complain about the Tiger Cats not being exciting this year. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> you, you can't leave early. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I mean, the average point spread for both of these teams on their games are, you know, you know, three, like, all, like it's, yeah. it's nothing, you know, I mean, each, so many of their games could, could go either way. And as you think back, you can think, you can remember the mistakes and the misses too here and there that would have changed. I mean, could have, you know, drastically changed their eight and 10 record into something more than that. And, uh, and, and, but you gotta, you gotta also think, you know, they made a lot of plays to, to get for those eight wins, uh, as well. But, um, you know, to your first question, RJ, I just think back and, you know, we, we dive into the stats and we, and we think back about these things. I remember as a player, it's just so not that way. Like you're, you really, mm. the, the regular season turnover ratio just doesn't even matter. Like you, you just don't, you're not thinking, oh, we, we can't make those mistakes. It's just like, it's almost more of a mindset of, of what would cause us to keep making those mistakes. Like, why wouldn't we be different now? You know, it's, you know, it's like now we have a chance to be better. So of course, why are we not going to be better? It's just, it's just much different when you actually put on cleats and a helmet and have a part of controlling the game. You know, when you actually play, yeah. a, a play a part in, in making the difference and making the outcome of the game come about. So uh, for those players it's just a it's just it's exciting and there's no 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 thought about what happened in the season unfortunately you have to win three games to be a champion now where there are two teams that will only have to win two other than that it's kind of like who cares i mean we have a chance to just to just go out and make it happen uh and the hindsight kind of just falls away you you mentioned the defense earlier and how it's been a strength for the tiger cats looking at the east division all-stars I think it's a really telling story. On offense, we'll start there. Tiger Cats have three East Division All-Stars, Tim White, Stephen Dunbar, and Brandon Revenberg. Montreal has two, Eugene Lewis and Landon Rice, the offensive lineman. They each have um, one special teams player, Seth Small for the Tiger Cats and Chandler Worthy for Montreal. That'll be a big issue. We'll talk about the special teams in a minute, but... But on defense, here's where it really stands out, and I think the Tiger Cats have a massive advantage. Tiger Cats, seven All-Stars. Montreal had just one. If you you hadn't seen the release earlier, Hamilton All-Stars, Julian Hauser, Micah Johnson, Jovan Santos-Knox, Cameron Kelly, Jamal Roll, and Richard Leonard. The one for Montreal is Wes Sutton. So looking at that, to me, if, if you hadn't watched a, a, a game at all in the CFL, you'd look at that and say Hamilton's defense is going to dominate this football game. And those seven are spread across secondary linebacking core and front four. I mean, they yeah just personnel-wise, they just have a really, really complete lineup. I mean, a, a really there's not really a deficiency. And that doesn't mean that teams can't make plays against against a Ticat defense. It's just that you've got guys who are trustworthy to be great and to win their battles on, in every single piece of that defense. It's like there, there's no there's no spot where you say, hey, you know, we're going to have a really great run attack because this team's secondary is really good. You can't say that. You can't you can't say, hey, we got to we're going to go out there and if they play man coverage, all our guys are going to win their one on one battles on the outside. They'll every team's going to have their wins here and there, but you, you're not going to bet on that with with the Tie Cats because there's so many playmakers out there. You know what I've said about Tunde Delicay's play this year and, and the way that he adds into each one of those. He's added into the rush. He certainly comes up and fills fills gaps in the box to make runs at that linebacker level, and then he's all over the place in the secondary. I just 
it's been impressive all year. They've certainly, certainly won games for the Ticat team. That meaning the defense has won games for them. And at times where there's just been a stagnant offense, uh, you know, just lack of rhythm, um, they've held the game together. I mean, this is they, that old saying, defense wins championships. I never agreed with it because <laughs> I felt like spoken like a true receiver. <laughs> I felt like touchdowns won championships, but but you know for this team it would it will probably uh, you know be be more true of a statement if they are if they can uh, uh, become champions. Well, the the run defense has been so good for the Tiger Cats this season, and William Stanback is back for Montreal. Jeshwin Antwi he finished fifth in rushing. They've got Walter Fletcher. They've got a lot of depth at running back, but. What concerns me is Eugene Lewis, looking back at those successful games Montreal had, not only this year, but last year against Hamilton, Eugene Lewis had massive games. So I know you weren't in the defensive meetings a lot, but I'd have to think that a lot of their their game plan is going to revolve around stopping Eugene Lewis, wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's interesting to... There are different ways of, 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 you know, scheming a defense if you think that there's a strength out on, the, on an offense that you have to protect from. Like the classic example, but I think is maybe overthought by, by onlookers, is, is like the classic like double team, like man coverage, like with two guys. You can do that. But this is professional football. Like in high school, if there's just like one guy who's just like the all-star, <laughs> like fine, do that. And then you're going to play, you know, uh, you know, you're going to play. 10 on 11 with the rest of the guys on the field, right? It's not, you can, you can throw that into the mix. Sometimes more frequently you can overload sides. Like you can bracket guys. So it's not like truly, truly a man coverage, but there's just more, more defenders in the area of a strong player. Um, uh, you can also run things like two man across the board. Like two man is a tough coverage to pass in. Uh, you got it's man coverage, but there's more zone help on top of that man coverage. Uh, as a as an offensive minded football analyst, I like as a, if I was a defensive corner, I like two man. I actually I think it's hard to dissect it. There's a lot of guys in the secondary, and each receiver has a one on one battle. So there's nobody gonna, that's going to get lost in space. Um, there, there are all kinds of different ways to do it. You can just drop nine and only rush three, right? And just load up the load up the 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 low zones of the field. Um, but the Ticats, they've got to pay attention to, to Worthy. You're right. He had he had big games, and and the 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 thing is, even if you even if you got a guy like that on offense that you're going up against, you know you got 60 plays to run or so in a game not every play like that. He's going to have a standard receiver battle every now and again, where it's just call it cover three or three double cut. And he just has his route and he might be the guy in space. You know, you're going to run your blitzes every now and again. And if he's the guy who's left in an, in an open part of the field, you know, he's going to get his opportunities is the point. Um, but you limit it and you try to sometimes you, you maybe think maybe Jamal roll and he are, are going to line up. You can just pick your matchup as another way of doing it that you think, you know, a, a guy that you have is the most trustworthy against that that star player. Um, but it just inevitably the big time players are the guys making the big time plays in those games. And so, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Chandler Worthy get 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 some action and, and some success as well. And, and the Ticats just have to be able to kind of counterbalance that. Yeah, so Eugene Lewis is 
third in receiving in the CFL at the end of the regular season. Their next leading receiver, Reggie White Jr., at 21st. So there's a big gap there. You mentioned Chandler Worthy, and I think that is going to be a, a huge part of this game. The Tiger Cats special teams tackling has been the best. They've They've allowed the fewest big play returns. Montreal has gotten the most big play returns. So that going head-to-head, that field yep. position battle, you know Craig Butler and that special teams takes takes a lot of pride in stopping the return of the opposition. Chandler Worthy is thinking back to this season, even Janarian Grant with Winnipeg, Hamilton did a pretty good job against him. The only guy who really did have some success was Chandler Worthy. So I think that'll be a, a massive uh, massive part of this football game. Absolutely. And I, I, I was impressed overall with the special teams for the Ticats this year and Craig Butler's units. Seth Small obviously kind of came alive at the second half of the season and, and made him and ended up being a really big part of a lot of wins that the Ticats found in the last sixth of the year. Uh, but their coverage units... And it's interesting to me because their net, their net punt, net kickoff coverage, it hasn't been, you know, it's not the best in the league. It hasn't been, you know, at the top there. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that. Uh, but I, I actually have been impressed with their coverage units and their special teams tackling this year for the most part. And they've been missing some, some key guys, you know, Curtis Newton has been out for, uh, you know, a, a large stretch of the year and. Uh, overall though, I, I think that the Tamil, the special teams units for the Hamilton, Hamilton Ticats are, are, are fairly sound and have played strong. I think they're a, a hard unit for, for teams to, to go up against. Um, Andy Fantuz asked a question in the post game after the Ottawa, uh, matchup about the fake punt that Ottawa ran successfully against the Ticats. And his question was, it was a sort of a blessing in disguise in this meaningless game to have a, a, an opponent successfully fake a punt for a first down. And I, yeah. I, I kind of think the answer to that question is yes. You know, I, I think that that sort of, you know, you know, resets the cards and say, you know, this is real guys. You know, we prep for this every week. We talk about it every week, but literally every single punt rep, when you take the field, you have to, you have to check your keys each time it's rhythmic. It's a habit of going through and saying, are these guys leaving at the right time? Is anyone hanging back? Is the punter taking his regular depth, regular stance, regular steps, see the ball kicked, all of those things. So you know, that was maybe a valuable thing that Ottawa ran that fake punt in a meaningless game. And now they go into the playoffs that meaning the Ticats go into the playoffs, you know, sort of with that, you know, with that, you know, fresh in their minds as to as to, to be really cautious about that type of play. Yeah, in a game that really didn't mean anything to, to get burned on a play like that. And now everybody's going to be aware of it. And they're probably a, a, a little more aware in practice and mm-hmm. working on things. And it's uh you know, in a one game, winner take all, like the playoffs, this is where if you've got some tricks up your sleeve, it's it's the time to try them. So we'll yeah. we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we've been at practice and we've we've seen the odd thing the Tiger Cats have tried. We're not going to divulge it here because we know that every Montreal Alouette is going to be listening to Tiger Cats this week. So <laughs> we're not going to give away any of the secrets. But they try stuff. There's there's stuff in the in in the playbook, and I'm, I'm sure there were. Things that when you were playing, Luke, you guys worked on and oh, maybe yeah. it went on the cutting room floor and never happened. But I'm sure if it was called, it was exciting. So many things. It's amazing how many, like I, I can guarantee you every special teams coach, Craig Butler included, has a dozen fakes for it for either any phase, you know, fake field goal, fake punt, blah, 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 onside stuff. 
you know, and you, the opportunity doesn't come, but you prepare for all those kinds of things and it's fun. And RJ, to your point about Montreal listening to our podcast, I have been texted <laughs> by, by former teammates still in the league who have listened to some of our content and, and don't, they haven't got any secrets from us that I'm not saying that we're, 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 we're nice and we're nice and in particular about the way we say things, but they've liked our content, RJ. So there you go. Hey, well, that's that's great news. It's uh, yeah. it's always nice to get some feedback from players in the league for go. sure. Um, you mentioned Seth Small earlier, and we're both big fans of his. Just turned twenty three, young guy, very composed. I was going through his his numbers. So, Tiger Cats nominee for most outstanding special teams player, most outstanding rookie. Going into the playoffs, he's hit eight straight field goals. Of his last eleven field goals that he's made. There's only been one inside 30 yards. So he's been making long field goals. And, of course, he has the best field goal percentage in Hamilton Tiger Cats history. I, I know you were part of the, the previous record with Justin Medlock. You were the holder. Yeah. But uh, it's it's been a, a great year for Seth Small. And actually, Montreal, David Cote, he, he's a great kicker, too. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, both teams are probably pretty comfortable at – in, in the kicking game, wouldn't you think? I would think so. Yeah. And, and those, and the playoff field goals are, you know, uh, the weather's nice right now in sort of the Northeast, you know, in the Eastern, Eastern Canada, Northeast U S but as the weeks progress, who knows what, who knows what the SAS gray cup's going to be and, and what, what kicking with the kicking game, what can happen to that and how important it is, but how, you know, sometimes you get these uncontrollable adversities. So, and so, you know, Seth small, Cote, the kickers who are left in this playoff, somebody is going to make big kicks in this game. And there's a chance where there could be some really meaning, meaningful or impactful misses as well. It's a, it's, it's an exciting, the kicking game in the, in, in the playoffs. And you know what I think of the kicking game, the CFL in general, I'm a big fan of the CFL's kicking game and the impact that it has and the plays that can be made. And in the playoffs, it's amplified even more so. Yeah, and if there's any teams looking for a, a special teams coordinator out there, um, you might want to talk to Luke Tasker. <laughs> you, and not all of it can be can be said on air because we only have a certain amount of time. But but you've got some uh, you'd have some tricks up your sleeve if you were if you were I, the special teams coach. I think there is some loophole type of things in the kicking game <laughs> that do not get taken advantage of. And you know what kills me, RJ. <laughs> When do you go? When do we get cut off in our broadcast after a kick? After a kick, I don't get to talk yes. about the punts and the field goals or the extra points because you go, we go right to a right to a, a commercial break. So it kills yep. me in our broadcast because there's so many things about it that are interesting and that are nuanced. But uh, yeah, it's an excite. It, it, it's just a great. It's a great piece of the CFL that that the NFL and other leagues don't 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 have to the same extent uh, just because of the way the nature of the way our game is 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 formed. Um, Halloween was this past week. Uh, you got three beautiful boys. I know they keep you busy. What what were the costumes? What was Halloween like? You're gonna love this, RJ. <laughs> I I kid you not. This is a true I like story. How this started. <laughs> so oldest one steals a cowboy. My younger one is a tiger. Maybe it's something to do with the tie cats. I don't know, but he wanted to be a tiger. Yeah. Cohen. First of all, this is hilarious. When he when I when, starting in September, you say, "What are you gonna be for Halloween?" Luke Tasker, what a catch. That's how, I don't know, that's how he said the start of our broadcast for listeners. If you listen to our game day broadcast, there's a voiceover that we capture saying, Luke Tasker, what a catch. And it's yep. become a He wants to be Luke Tasker, what a catch. He's two years old. So RJ, <laughs> he's Luke Tasker. You know what I was for Halloween? What RJ Broadhead. 
<laughs> I'm not And it worked out well because I don't, I'm not a big Halloween guy. I don't really love dressing up. So I just wore my tie cat stuff, but called myself RJ Broadhead. So there you go. I, I hope you didn't scare kids with that RJ Broadhead mask. <laughs> I walked around saying, touchdown, tiger cats. Oh, boy. Yeah. Maybe I'll get to say that a few times Sunday. I would like that if you did. Yes. <laughs> well, I kid great. you not, though. Yeah. RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker walking around the streets of East Aurora, New York. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, that's hey, maybe maybe share some candy too, eh, on Sunday? You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so so f- final thoughts on, on the game. Hamilton going into Montreal, East semifinal. It's going to be the end of the season for one of these two teams. What's your gut telling you? You know, I, I just, I don't know what it is. Over the last decade, the Ticats have been, have had the most playoff games, you know, certainly in the East. And I actually think they actually have maybe had the most playoff games in the league as, as you look back uh, through 2013, I think it was. The Ticats win this time of year, man. They they do. And I, I never went to Montreal uh, for a playoff game, which is just interesting as I thought back to that, that that mm-hmm. never happened. Montreal came to Hamilton. Uh, but I really do feel good about the about where the Ticats are. I think Orlando Steinhauer has just a real ability to solidify the the culture and the mentality as the playoffs come around. Like the team feels together, you know, and it's and they feel positive, they feel confident in themselves, and I think he makes for a franchise for a locker room where guys are empowered to make the plays that they're asked to make. Um, I was never happier than than taking the field for a playoff game. Um, knowing that we were, you know, uh, we, we were maybe three hours away from being, uh, you know, one step closer to a gray cup. And uh, it's just a great moment. And I hope those guys are soaking in and having fun because this is the best that football gets is, is football at this time is great playoffs at this time of year. Now, well said, Luke, uh, can't wait for the game. The pregame show begins at noon and uh, we'll have the call myself rj broadhead and luke tasker on the tie cats audio network one o'clock is kickoff you are all set for the game of course listen to tie cats game day uh that'll be early morning you can listen on on sunday luke you're going to be with courtney stephen and the depth charts will be released so we'll know who's in who's out and you know, we could see a couple of quarterbacks. That's kind of what Coach O said at, at practice. I think it was yesterday that there's a good chance you see both Matt Schultz and Dane Evans. Yep. So it's uh, to, just to see that depth chart. So Ticats game day on the Ticats Audio Network. You want to hear Luke and Courtney. They'll break down the depth charts. But uh, as far as going into into Sunday, it's going to be an exciting game. Be sure to tune in. Kickoff is at 1 o'clock. And thanks again for tuning in to Th- Cats this week. It's been another busy week for your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Luke Tasker and RJ Broadhead have covered it all. And now we would like to hear from you. Email us anytime at gamedayatiecats.ca. Subscribe to the Cats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.